Hello and welcome to another episode of 10,000 Hours. I'm Grant Spanier. And I'm Vince Kochi. And you are listening to episode 107. Minutes One. in Heaven. Making oh, out with your crush. Seven minutes in Heaven? That's a <laughs> long time. I know. I played that version of the game. I feel like it would get really boring for everyone else at that point. Well, party. especially sort of that stage of sexual development. It really ended at kissing. And, yeah. and I mean, any of, if you go over 60 minutes, I mean, hell, even 40 minutes of kissing, you're going to get chapped lips. Honestly, that, maybe rate. I'm just a jaded old bastard, but anything more than like 11 minutes of just kissing and I'm probably like out the door. I mean, I just don't have time for all that. It's 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 too much. What what better episode for such a crass intro than one <laughs> than one David Sherry? Oh, uh, he'd our, be honored. Is he our second repeat guest? Yeah, or? second ever repeat guest. Yes. You know, a bit of a unique scenario. I, here. I know some of the statisticians, some of those hardcore fact checkers are going to be calling <laughs> Not him ready on to this. award him. The real title of Second Repeat Guest, he's appearing in a different form than his initial appearance, which was with a group, the group Death to Stock, this time still affiliated, of course, with Death to Stock, but appearing on his own and in person, no less, and it was a delight. And perhaps we could even call him, at the time, he had a a business partner, Allie Lehman, fantastic human, and we've had her husband then, Adam Lehman, on the show, but now at this point, we're partners in Death to Stock, and so he's only been a partner... He's been a partner twice. He's only been on the show once. <laughs> Max. He's been on the show two half times. Wow, what, what a treat to call him out on that. <laughs> Poor David. But, but in all seriousness, yeah. what a great conversation. It rawr, was, rawr. Just, I'm that, referencing the conversation. That's, uh, the, in theory, that would be a reference to the conversation, which was echolocation. Now, that was more of a, a dinosaur. Yeah, it's yes. a velociraptor. Yeah, a, a velociraptor squeal, yes, okay, exactly. Yeah. Um, but echolocation, not actually referencing the sound, though. I suppose it could. Uh, more referencing the ability for two people who will be in a relationship, be it probably professional, but also <laughs> otherwise, yeah, yeah. Um, to understand the point of view of one another, to see where they're at. I was just picturing... I was picturing little Grant gonna play seven minutes or 107 minutes of heaven, <laughs> just like squealing across a circle of kids uh, in a in a parent's basement in some <laughs> sort of like <laughs> visceral mating call. Mating call, yeah. <laughs> to some poor confused young woman. Uh, Man, those were good times. A moment of silence for, for those <laughs> poor kids. <laughs> yes, but uh, it, it kind of ran parallel to a former conversation of ours, which was really fun, called Red Flags. Yes, uh, these kind of being like green flags. Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. Worth listening to. I think as a companion piece. Do we know the episode number on that? 15. It's just a guess. Sounds too early. That sounds too, too early, man. It's yeah, more like I, 30. Something. I feel like it was like at the end of the year, which would have been around end of 40. One, yeah. yeah, it might have been like a 39 or something. Yeah, could have been. Shit, man. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll show notes. It, and listen, It's not that hard to find. Just if you're motivated, up. just look, look it up. Gander. But David uh, shed some really interesting perspective on that conversation. And he got, he went both high level, he went really nitty gritty about like actual, actual points of echolocation that he looks for. Uh, So it's super fun and super interesting. As a treat of an episode. And when I'm thinking of echolocating of, of the sound waves we send out, you know, they don't always have to be sound waves, but sometimes they are. And in this case, in the podcast case, they certainly are. And a little tool we use to send those sound waves out is Simplecast, which really makes our podcasting life way easier. 
I've said it before, I'll say it again. I get a lot of questions about just the mechanics, the logistics of podcasting. And every single time, I just point people towards Simplecast. Just it's, go it's, to the website. You just and, go to- and they will literally walk you through how to do it. Very aptly named. I have another show <laughs> that I don't mention by name. And we won't mention by name now. But I do have another podcast, and we also use Simplecast, and it is it is completely you ripped us worry off. free. <laughs> you ripped us off, and we won't dig into I'm that a right thief. now. <laughs> <sighs> but thank you, Simplecast, so yes. much for having a great product and for sponsoring this program. Thank you, David Sherry, for all that you do and for joining us again for the second time. Thank you, listeners, now and always, for tuning in. Hope you enjoy episode 107. Echolocation. Before we go, Vin, I have to thank you for answering my mating call. The, however long ago it was that we started this show. Oh, God. I called you up and I went... And I went... <laughs> and a podcast was born. Vince, um, I've been... God damn it. My curious mind. It's always wandering, running. I, yeah, I was going to say running. And, it's and you, know, you know I've got a bit of agility to me. I'm sort of a quick-footed a, fella. A nimble, yeah, a nimble thinker and nimble on your feet, actually. I wouldn't say nimble thinker. I, do, I think that's true. I feel like... You're quick-witted. I feel like a nimble thinker is you someone who does a lot of knitting. <laughs> Wait, that's a, thi- a thimble <laughs> thinker. Oh, I don't know, Vince. You tell me. Uh... Anyway, this curiosity, yeah, oh God, I'm allergic to cats, so it, you know what I mean. Especially, <laughs> it, it kills me. It kills me. And uh, this curiosity has just been running rampant. And you know how I feel about alliterations. Oh, you're a huge fan. alliterations and palindromes. Ooh. Two of your favorite. They'll things. be the death of me <laughs> if I die by Some, alliterative palindrome. Ooh, we should find one. One twenty-one. No, well, two twenty-two. 222, that's an alliterative palindrome. And I'm going to die by the number 222. February 22nd, you're dead. Oh, man. This is going to be dark. Oh, boy. In 2,222. Sick. Okay. We'll be living a long time. I'm I'm cool with that. Anyway, this curiosity has me uh, pondering, wondering, questioning. And the question part is coming right now because... I'm excited for it. Yeah, yeah. What are you putting your time into? What are you working on? Those prepositions? Yeah, on and into are, yeah, those are the parts of speech called a preposition. Okay. You know, and it's becoming more and more popular to end sentences in propositions. Yeah. Prepositions. prepositions. In propositions. That too, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I feel like, especially in the Tinder age, it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a brave new world. Why out there. not? <laughs> uh, what am I working on? Yeah. Uh, 
busy at work. I just started writing. <laughs> I was, I mean, pretty busy. Not as no, busy no, no, as no, no. I'm been. not laughing at that. I just like thinking of how many times I've heard you say like busy at the office, and I was like, damn, I would love to get that just like tattooed on you. Just me get that tattooed busy. <laughs> no, at a t-shirt, the a t-shirt, a t-shirt, a t-shirt. Let's start uh, there. <laughs> Let's do a t-shirt. We'll put that in the shop in the 10k hour shop. <laughs> yeah, the 10k. Find us on Etsy. Uh, no, but also I started writing my next article for the Egotist. Ooh, nice. It's about feeling like a pretender in the comedy game. Fuck yeah. Because I that. definitely do feel like a pretender. Oh. Especially when I have the privilege of working with actual comedians. It's like... Yeah, dude, you guys are working... You're obviously referencing your other podcast. I wasn't going to name it, but yes, I Sure. Was. What do you call it again? These parts? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so you guys have a bunch of different comedians on there. Yep, from Seattle, Portland, Minneapolis, Chicago. and But they're like so much more talented than we are because we're complete hacks. Sure. And they're so funny and we're just trying to keep up. So it's kind of like a weird like justification for your existence. Like where does talent come from exploration? Yeah. Kind of one of those things. Cool. I can't wait to <laughs> eviscerate you in the comments <laughs> of that article. No, you, you threatened you know, that last time. But no, you're very kind. I did. Well, it's because it's fantastic, and I think I told you uh, you need to keep writing because it's so good and and generous. I yeah. took it to heart. Hell so, yeah, writing again. Excited to read it. Thanks, man. What about you? What have you been putting your time uh, into, Grant? What's, man, what's we are on, on the eve of a bit of a lookbook shoot uh, with. I don't want to tip our hand too much, but with uh, one of the people in the room, he'll be And it's not joining. me. It's not Vince, yeah. Uh, and I would say the other part of my work has been with that dude. Uh, and now we've we've given away one facet. He's a dude. I feel like people at home are just sitting there guessing. They're whittling it down. You've They're got going your through their 10K spreadsheets. hours guest reveal bingo card. Well, we could. I think this one would really cut it down to about... Well, I was going to say about 104, but then take out the host fools. We're probably looking at like 100 or like 90. High 90s, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then take out the females, uh, yeah, we're, which I don't, about- I, I don't advocate. I don't think that, you know, I mean, it's not. <laughs> but yeah, we've been 50-50 on male-female guests. Pretty close, yeah. You probably got a pool of about 40 to 50 people. That is a repeat guest, which is the qualifier we are going to add in there. So this will make him one of two. One of two. The first being Barrett Brooks. B.B. Brooks. B.B. Brooks. You know what? Actually, I got to quick interject and give a shout out to my girlfriend, Sarah Christine, for I said we were going to have a repeat guest on. And she's like, oh, that's the second ever repeat guest. Wow. And I was like, yeah. And she goes, after Barrett Brooks, of course. Wow. And I was was actually like slightly on the verge of like tearing up. Oh, my goodness. It was was just so sweet. Anyway. But yeah. What an opportunity. Wow, there are tears streaming down Vince's face. You can't see it here. He's wiping them away hurriedly. That I mean it's it's not true, but if it makes for better radio then I'm Yeah, and we'll cut that, we'll cut Vince's part out there and we'll keep the crying. <laughs> Lovely. Okay, so should we Let's welcome this fellow to the guest? Absolutely. Welcome to the guest. <laughs> welcome to the guest, guest. And welcome to the show, guest. Hello, I'm the guest. <laughs> Nice. That's well first. done. Yeah, that was good. If you recognize that voice, if you're a particularly astute listener, you'll recognize that voice as David Sherry. Yes, one David Sherry, founder, current CEO, My and I say current life. because it might change. Who knows? Like we might boot him out of there, but current CEO <laughs> of Death to Stock. You might, uh, you might take it over. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You and Sean Singh. Yeah, we've been. Sl- oh, and actually, you've been uh, episode ninety-seven or ninety-eight or something. Sean Singh was on here. Singh. A coup? Is that what you're suggesting? Yeah. Cuckoo, yes. Yes. Okay. I th- it sounded like a cool new startup name. 
We're Aku. a coup. Yeah. That, could, that, could, be our, that could be our pivot. Um, yeah. Thanks, oh. for, thanks for joining us again. And Excited you to be here. Currently Wait. working with Grant very frequently on, of course, the reason that we first had you on, Death to the Stock Photo. Yeah, we call it Death to Stock now. We're sort Death of rebranding stock. a little bit. Oh, I didn't know. Well, yeah, so now do. I know. Yeah, and now you... Preview. Perhaps, you could give us, <laughs> perhaps you could give us a little bit of a overview of, of what sure, DTS is Yeah, sure. We, uh, we hire talented artists like Grant Spanier and other videographers, photographers, designers from around the globe to produce inspiring media. media photography, video, design, and then brands pay for access to that media, which they use in their campaigns. So cool. it's called Death of the Stock Photo, but we sell stock photos. That's that's the short pitch. All right. Death to Stock. Death to Stock. There we go. Yeah. Well, we're still, we're still mid, we're mid-pivot. Yeah. Yeah. It okay. hasn't been released yet. <laughs> okay. Respect. But we've, we've got some exciting stuff going on. We've got uh, an upcoming uh, trip to Thailand that I'm pretty excited about. Uh-huh. I'm not sure if this episode will be out. It'll, it'll be prior to that trip to Thailand coming up where we're going to really sit down and hunker down and uh, work on the next evolution of the product. Uh, just started working with a really cool agency called Fuzzco. Yeah. Pretty excited about that. Just sick. It's, yeah. Pretty much my favorite agency. So pumped on that. And yeah, working with Grant, working with Sean, trying to keep ownership. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sensational. Uh, well, it's a great product. We've mentioned a lot of times on the show before for good reason. You provide an awesome service, super easy to get into, gives a lot of credit to young, talented artists, something that I haven't used personally, but I've seen people within my agency and personal friends use, and they like it a lot. It's Shout great out. to hear, yeah. And the, the reason we talked to you, or the, the topic we talked about the first time you were on, was no middlemen, mm, which yes. is still something that, if I'm not incorrect, is a core tenant totally. to the death to stock brand. Re- removing barriers between creators and creation. Yeah, one hundred percent. What a specific uh, episode title, too. Like, I, I feel like that's a testament, though, to the specificity or the raw trueness of the brand, and I think of the people we were talking with. Was it? I think it just like emanated. It was like, oh yeah, these the, the, no middlemen. Like these, it's like a you know, it's a bit of a kick, kick in the old stock gut. <laughs> It, I mean, it is. It's a it's a strong stance to take because a lot of, in a lot of ways, like all of creative agencies are middlemen of sorts, yeah. right? Yeah. There's a lot of middlemanery going on in art and creation, mm-hmm. and to take a stance against it is it's bold, but it's beautiful. Oh, I just have to I have to bring bring this up. I'm still haunted by the uh, Matilda. Uh, question that wow. was brought up in, in my podcast. <laughs> yeah. I have to redeem myself this episode, so I don't know if there's going to be another question. There will be, oh, but uh, inevitably, fear not. The amount of the amount of comments I've gotten about that online, I just have to. I have to <laughs> nice, yeah. He's referencing here. He's referencing our off-topic topic, which was, and this was episode 42? 44 I don't. I don't know. I think you it might have been forty-two because uh, I remember it being particularly special. Yeah, 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 yeah. The answer to life, to life, universe, yeah. and everything. Douglas Adams, right? Yeah. Hitchhikers, yeah. <laughs> yep, yeah Douglas, yep. yeah. Um, yeah, so go back and listen to that one. Probably a good contextualizer for this. Episode. So turn off this episode. It's going to be trash. Go listen to that one. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> good. No doubt. Um, so uh, what a treat to have Dave here. Yeah. And, and what a treat to be in our studio, which has actually become a, a bit more echoey. 
<laughs> yeah. I'm, As we've removed some you, of the audio panels. Hopefully you can't notice it, listener, but yeah, <laughs> the, you guys are in the process of, of breaking it down and moving out. Yeah, yeah, of, yeah. Uh, echoes in this location, I'd say. Oh, yeah, is that okay. like a golf yeah. sonar type joke? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> all right, <laughs> like all right, all right. It, it, this guest is too emboldened. I guess so was Barrett Brooks. He came in hot because he, he'd had a taste and he's he was just... swaggering like he's some expert. Yeah. Uh, well, he's... M- maybe he was. Maybe he maybe still he is. is. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so, as I'm talking about echoing, I think... Uh, yeah, I think a very core thing for me and Dave and for the people I've chosen to work with, he's chosen to work with, has been these identifiers and these cues for the type of people you're working with, the projects you're working on, checking in on those and sort of being on the same page. Uh, we talked a lot. I mean, that that episode you and I did about red flags really, really stands out to me as being like formative in terms of how I think about identifying potential pitfalls or potential mismatches. And when Dave and I were talking a little bit about what we might talk about, this is a topic that came up right away because it was like, ah, yes, this is a this is a, a really crucial thing. So when Dave and I are talking, I feel like we're able to like and I'm snapping now. That'll be the you first of many. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Oh, it, it was audio visual. Yeah, it's, an, it's a it mixed a, media. Yeah, yeah, I'm a mixed media artist, so I uh, I do a lot of snapping. Um, no, but we were we were just we we can move really quickly in the same way that you and I generally can, where we have worked together a lot. We have common language. We have common sort of. Um, it's a shorthand. Yeah, it's just shorthand, and uh, so we're talking. Echo location. <laughs> right to the end, baby. About a half-baked, pull it out of the oven. Hey, look what I made. <laughs> we are actually talking about echo location. Yeah, yeah, we are. Oh, great. I I didn't know. I forgot. I remember now. Okay, you, like you, you were giving ago. me this, you were giving me this like 10, not 10,000 yard, I want to say like 20,000 league stare. Like, where is he going? Yeah. And he actually landed on... But this is cool. Yes. Now, now I, I, now I remember the, the, the rare, the rare time where Vince is the only one who doesn't know the topic. Yeah. I mean, the rarest. Yeah. Probably the, the first time. First ever time. But I'm, I'm proud and excited to be part of it. So we're talking Ooh. about echolocation. Maybe, Mr. Sherry, you can give your first blush thoughts on what that sure. means. Sure. Well, it's, it's somewhat of a metaphor, I'd say. Uh, a That's meta- a technical term. Uh, sure. Yes, technically a, a metaphor for understanding if a potential collaborator or partner is on the same wavelength as you. Is is on the same, you, you give them the echo and they give you the echo back saying, I'm legit, I can work with you, we're on the same page here. And really it's about just trying to, yeah, when you're entering a potential partnership or that collaboration, is that person going to be a good fit for what you're trying to accomplish? Very cool, very interesting. And and vitally important to getting things done correctly and quickly, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's part reading signals, it's part knowing which signals to send, it's part knowing which signals to ignore is unimportant. Where do we begin? What are some signals you guys look for as yourselves in partnership? I'd say in the uh, in the digital age we're in of social media, I think yeah. one of the first things you do is kind of just check them out online and 
Uh, I don't know if this is giving away Those something. Those are signals they're putting out, right? Yeah. I don't know if this is giving away something, but Grant, I know you're launching a website here soon, personal yeah, site. Yeah, it'll finally be out by the time this podcast is up. But yeah. part of the purpose for that is to show that you're legit, that yeah. you know you, you create amazing work and you want it to be represented as best as possible. So I'd say step one in the echolocation game is what they've been putting out publicly and checking that out on their social medias. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Kind of like a a square one if there ever was one, right? Yeah. If like, you can't like make a good accord of yourself as someone who doesn't online, <laughs> then where like I mean it's it's not it's just making information hidden, like how what does your work look like? How do you portray yourself? How do you understand yourself? Those things aren't necessarily negatives right off the bat, but they're just concealed information for no yeah, reason. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's yeah. That's it, that's a funny thing because it doesn't mean like let's if you don't have a bunch of your work really thoughtfully put together online that doesn't mean you're not capable of really good work but it does sort of it can potentially sort of knock you off of a list of people looking I mean obviously let's say you need to know fast and now you don't know fast yeah yeah so it's, it's just that simple yeah 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 I'd kind of bring up uh, Instagram as one of the main ones here especially when it comes to hiring artists like photographers and I think. Whether it's right or not, even the following size is definitely taken into account, I think, when working with people. And I agree with you, Vince, just because you're not online doesn't mean that you don't create amazing work, but it's definitely a shortcut for brands looking for people to work with and saying, social validation, we want to work with you. And also, especially if you're in the business of creating things that are seen by other people, you want someone who has experience being seen by other people, right? Yeah. It's not to say that there aren't, and there certainly are. In fact, I'm 100% certain that there are people out there, highly talented photographers and artists who have no social media presence and no internet presence at all. But do you even want to work with those really talented people if they're not internet fluent and they're not used to being consumed by a large crowd? Yeah, I mean, man, I've I've struggled with this a lot just personally in thinking about social media and thinking about access and the type of work I want to put out. And that's like been a big, cha- I mean, it is a big challenge, especially because even with, with a lot of the stuff I'm doing, like I don't like over opening myself up because I don't think it's productive for me. Um, but I I do, I have realized in a lot of ways that figuring out a way to play within that is productive. And kind of just getting over that. I think that that's very fear based and like it's, it's, uh, yeah. So, so what that signals when someone has done that is that they, they're like willing to like figure something out and play the game. Kind yeah. Of. And put themselves out there. Yeah. But I, yeah. And I think this echo thing is what we're looking for here is shortcuts. Yeah. And social validation among a very large crowd or a big group of followers is a shortcut to saying they're pre vetted. That, that group of people approves of their work or responds mm-hmm. positively to their work. Mm-hmm. It makes your job of evaluating them easier. Of course, popularity, we've said this dozens of times, popularity can't be the only inter- indicator of quality, sure. but it is an indicator of quality because, I don't know, 20,000 people can't be wrong, right? Or they can't be that wrong. So what about signals that immediately... T- I mean, <laughs> Let's not argue I mean, about that. Yeah. <laughs> That's fr- that could be the wrongest thing I've ever personally said. Uh, but that said, what are some signals that immediately trip you guys up and, and say to you, all right, 
this is not resonating. This is dissonance. We're not on the same frequency. Well, I think what we were first talking about is really just the research, which is checking in yourself. There's no communication. It's no back and forth. It's just kind of exploring who they might be online. And I think the second thing then yeah, fr- so, from so there... It's like passive. In that yeah, that, that's... Yeah, right. It's, it's a research uh, without really any contact with the person. So I think maybe the second thing is really the communication, which probably is at the heart of this whole echolocation yeah yeah because i mean nothing happens unless there's some sort of back and forth like i mean that's just the next step to any level of collaboration (laughs) is some sort of engagement with someone yeah and most times i especially now that's like a direct message an email a tweet i mean we've had a lot of people on the show that are just via tweet and the reason, one of the reasons, honestly, Vin, that having a Twitter for the show is important is so that I can point to it. And, and we, you know, we're not super active, but it's like, okay, we're, you know, we're at least promoting the thing, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. yeah. You're available to be talked y- yeah, to. Yeah. And I can point to this and, you know, it's legitimizing. But then from there, so it starts there and then it's an email usually. Yeah, and maybe there's a yeah email etiquette. Don't get me email started. etiquette. Yeah, well, I actually, I'd love to hear this this rant here. I know you are in contact with a lot of different people, so I'd be curious to hear some of the signs you've seen. But I guess maybe one of the angles on this is sort of like a relevance, and like when when you're introduced over Twitter or contacted through Twitter through a connection, which I think is how I got on the show actually originally it adds kind of a context or relevance to why that person might be a potential good fit for you. So Mm -hmm. I think the other thing we're, we haven't brought up yet is that social media actually has connections. So uh, you can see that I'm following similar people to you. We have similar connections and and maybe that's the layer there too. Tribal. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, there's like a balancing act between expanding your network and staying and running in the same circle, but I don't know if that's even what's at play here. Just because people in your network, you automatically have some layer of trust with, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why they're in your network, even if they're kind of just an acquaintance or professional contact. And then having them have the same network, also a vetting process, right? People you like, like them. So it's a signifier that you might like them. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. And a, a lot of that is geared at uh, finding a fit. And to me, a lot of the conversations a lot of the things that i'm working on and trying to pursue even if that's purely pleasure it's like productive productive is such a key word for me and finding the right fit on both sides is like it's such a duh thing but we constantly try to force things into you know a square into a circle and it just doesn't fit and it's not productive it's counterproductive it wastes time and energy that could be Better. Sp- I mean, I guess yeah. it's a lot like dating that, you know, but <laughs> no, it is. It's a lot like dating. You, you learn a lot. Yeah. Okay. But I don't think it's that. Well, it, it is duh, but maybe it's not as duh as we think it is because that's what this whole conversation's about, right? How to make sure it's a fit. Echolocation is about you throwing out a signal to see if their shape is similar to the shape you want or need, right? Yeah. Okay. So I yeah. think a key element of it not being duh to a lot of people is just self-deception is is, yeah. is telling yourself well, and, and listen sometimes that works sometimes you get an opportunity that you're probably not the best fit for but you're gonna make it fucking work and that's awesome but a lot of times it's just you lying to yourself and telling yourself that oh i deserve this this is good for me this is good for them i feel like a lot of times it's actually not 
And learning to parse through the bullshit of that, even with yourself, is really important, in, especially in figuring out what signals you want to put out. Uh, I, I feel like, for me, a really big signal that I want to put out right away is a sense of humor because I, I can be, I am professional. I can be, I can work at a really high level, but if you don't have a sense of humor, it's going to be way less fun for both of us. And like, I'm capable of it, but I'm less interested in doing it. And so like, I mean, even somebody like Sean is a really great example of someone who has a fantastic sense of humor about stuff that is, can be totally dry. And that's a great indicator. I mean, you and Sean, with that to stock it's like oh yeah yeah we're on the level because we can like make jokes and that makes everything so much easier i mean it's just like working with good people but yeah i I digress yeah so it's not it's not even just the the work fit it's even just the communication fit and the dialogue fit and am i going to enjoy working with this person it kind of makes me think about the old i think this is like a startup kind of question but if you're going to hire someone would you like riding on an airplane with them that's kind of like a a question to ask yourself and if the answer is no then you don't want to hire them because that's part of that communication uh and and how important that is i think that's a a, a really fun shorthand and it makes a lot of sense here's what the, my question is how do you know mm. how because we as people we just agreed upon aren't that good at at finding out if we're going to be a fit with someone. And then even when we kind of do, we're prone to lying to ourselves about it. Are there any ways that you guys have found as people who work with a lot of different artists and need these relationships? What are some ways you can tell? I think that all of us are kind of curators of our own, you know, media consumption or, uh, yeah, I guess the sites we go to, the people we follow. And I think one thing I've seen in talking to people is, whether they mention things that are in similar circles or of interest to me. So that becomes a bit of a shorthand, whether they like, yeah, a reference of an artist that they really dig, that I really dig, a reference of a uh, event that they maybe attended. You know, I went to a photographer's conference in Santa Barbara called Field Trip. There's only about 300 people there, but I've definitely met some people who said, somehow we made that connection, we were both there. And that immediately puts them on level because that brand is something that funnels those type of people in the door. And so I'd say for me, part of that communication is what are the references they're putting out? And the minute we're on the same wavelength about that, it's usually a good shortcut. Yeah. I mean, I constantly think back to either like a tweet or a message or an email because that's so often how things start. Um, I feel like in person is a little bit different, but I was scribbling here as Dave was talking and I wrote consistency so that's like uh, even there's a photographer dave and i were talking about because death to stock gets a lot of submissions from people and there are a lot of really talented people and it's like kind of like okay who should we work with you know how can we make that fit and i was talking about a particular person who's kind of been in the mix for a little while but has been so consistent so like consistency is like huge if you can be consistent and if you can if you can keep the ball in the air and I feel like keeping the ball in the air is a great metaphor for a lot of things with me where it's like, whether that's humor and like a willingness to heighten it up. Like if someone's going to heighten something and actually heighten, I would say applies not just to humor. I mean, that's a classic like improv idea, but for a project, if I'm going, because I mean, a lot of times it starts as a seed of something and it's like, oh, hey, 
here's this kind of thing I'm thinking about. If they take it up a level, that's heightening. And that's like such a great indicator of quality or the kind of like person I want to work with. Someone who's going to push it forward. Willingness to commit and yeah, ingenuity, thoughtfulness, give a shitness. <laughs> give I mean, a really, shitness. Really, yes, really, yes, like, truly. really I, I think such a great indicator of somebody who I love working with is like, oh, they like they care a lot about the work they're doing. Because it's like a big, and maybe that's a thing that they identify with. So that's probably another indicator is like, oh, they identify themselves with their work a bit. And so do I. So we're both like willing to like go there. Yeah, I think it's it's too frequently kind of like in and cool to be cynical about your own work, especially when you're doing it commercially. Uh, and so it's people who are emotionally invested and proud of the work that they do. I mean, it's invaluable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the heightening just really reiterates the point that finding those people who are on that level or on the same wavelength as you is just a hundred times better than someone who's not. Like, you just waste so much more time, and the the project itself doesn't get to where it could be when you find someone. And actually, what's funny with that the stock, like we work with the same people a lot, but it's because they're so good. Like we yeah. found great people, and you just you know it's there's other people out there, sure, but there's almost a risk maybe when you search for someone else and you try to do that echolocation again, you know? All I could picture that whole time was <laughs> like a, finding a running partner and like, hey, you want to go for a run? And we're like, run. And, you know, maybe we sprint at times. Maybe we, we jog at times. Maybe we walk. And the opposite, which is like me having to take a rope and drag <laughs> someone on the entirety yeah. of it. Yeah. And yeah. like occasionally they stand up and then like, I, you know, it's just like, you have to, you have to encourage them. You have to yeah. try to get them to move. Yeah. I, I, I I'm, I'm here. I'm here to like handle me and for us to all push forward, but I'm not here to like drag you because that's just like not helpful. <laughs> Inevitably though, you're going to have to work with people who your echolocation that reveals that they are not, the right fit right or is the idea to eliminate those people from your professional sphere and personal sphere altogether i think it's a fail fast thing i think you can give people chances i mean i think the other thing that i've been thinking about a little bit during this is how i'm sure i don't always put out the right signals that are even my own capability and i think about how many times maybe i haven't gotten the connection or whatever it might be because of a misjudgment there too. So mm. I do think that there's some element of testing out the relationship with something small, which yeah. is, I think, just another great part of the process. You know, it's vet through the research, look for, uh, you know, what some of the indicators might be, and then find something really small to start with before you commit to something big. David, what a what a thing to touch on, though, the way that you represent yourself, because it's so important, right, we go back to the dating metaphor and a lot of, I know a lot of really great people with a lot of personal artistic and just life value that aren't, don't have very good luck in the, in the dating game. And I'm, I'm getting to a point, I swear, but uh, it's because they, I'll be the judge of that. They, they don't know how to, for lack of a less crass term, market themselves and it's important if you want to breed the relationships that you know you're worth and you know that you deserve and people you respect. It's not always about being yourself. It's about being a, a cool, great version of yourself. That's true. But just being yourself isn't enough direction. Interesting. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I think maybe 
the other factor there that's that's helpful is if you have a supportive team or group that you're a part of that puts you in your best light. And I think a lot about just like online groups, like we kind of know a bunch of online cliques and groups of people who have kind of banded together, even if just virtually and not even working together, but they prop up each other's image. And I think when it comes to dating, that could be a very similar analogy where you have a group of people that they help show your best self. It's the classic thing of when you meet up with a group of your friends and a group of his or her friends, you all look better to each other because you're natural. You're with people who are who respect you and like you are talking you up, and even more subtly, you're more at ease. Yeah, you could also you could also start to say that those those clicks prevent new people joining. Um, and there's kind of this not, not reverse echolocation, but there's almost like a wall that gets put up a little bit when groups do solidify the echo that, chamber. Sure, no, an echo I mean, chamber right? of echo. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, like a kind of an incestuous (laughs) continuum of the same opinion rattling back and forth with positive feedback being the only feedback that that exists which is a danger of of this whole process right when we look for similarities which is what echolocation is about it's necessary by the way it's not like i'm i'm like spinning the whole concept on its head no 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 but when we look for things that we know we trust to be true, that are similar in ourselves, we can miss out on growth. Yes. Okay. So here's the thing. I, a lot of what we've talked about so far and a lot of my personal mission is, is productivity based. It's, it's sort of like quick identifiers and there's that snap again. Maybe you heard that at home. I pray you did, but, These but mics are pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty good mics. Um, it's it's about it's about productivity most times because I think generally and I think Dave and I are both like we have pretty intense schedules and like intense things we're trying to accomplish and so like that starts to just whittle away uh, room for excess generally so that's why it's productivity minded. That being said, echolocation is not just hey I need to find someone like me to do the things together. I think it's an identifier first and foremost. Even though I'm most often using it to identify and connect with productivity minded people. I think, uh, and to get back a little bit at what you were kind of asking about when things are, when you identify someone who is not, or you're on a different wavelength slightly, I think you need to try and identify them as best you can, and then figure out what, what signals you need to send out to accomplish a project. I mean, really, cause that's what a lot of times. And I, I think of that a lot with freelance, man. I, I, I did a freelance project, uh, a few, a couple weeks ago that like, was just a revamp of a video and it was so like plug and play kind of. And it was, it was this like, uh, I don't know if you remember that SPS training video, mm-hmm. but they needed a bunch of stuff changed. And it was like, sort of just like, I was the only one who would be able to do it. I did not want to work with them again necessarily, but it was like, I was the one best suited for it. And the person I was working with is not the original contact. And is I mean, he's fine. I mean, and no, no shade to SPS, but it was just like, yeah, okay, we'll make this happen, but we'll just be really specific about our back and forth. Like there's not a lot of room for like jokes and we're just going to, we'll just get through it together. Sure. Yeah. So I, am I right in, in kind of coming to the conclusion that, where echolocation is different than the red flags discussion is that it's not just about finding like always the right fit. It's about identifying common ground or even lacking that just the, the way forward Mm -hmm. mapping out the tunnel, much like a dolphin or a bat does with echolocation 
do bats use echolocation? Too, yeah, right? no so, doubt. Yeah. So they what they're they're not looking for necessarily even other bats. They're just looking for the way out of the tunnel. Ooh, and so that's I mean that's kind of what's going on in those situations, right? So you're identified that you're not a good fit for each other personally, but that is also powerful because it allows you to get through the project in a specific way. Ugh, this is all just communication stuff and people like man people should we should all spend a little more time like thinking about our communication i just come back to writing constantly i just i feel like there's so much communication happening via writing now and i just i think a lot of people send the wrong signals out that's i mean but that's really interesting to me like that's like let's talk about that specifically you and and david i love your thoughts on what are some mistakes people do make when they're uh, writing? I mean, to first of all, themselves? okay, submitting to Death to Stock. Do not send a five paragraph email. Yeah, fuck you, because you don't know what you want. Right? What, what do you want? A, what do you that's, want that's from us? Br- that's what I'd bring up. I, I'd say to me, the biggest. <laughs> and Grant, we talked about this a little while ago. I think the biggest thing. I guess I'm not concerned necessarily on uh, length or like zeal within the email, which yeah. happens frequently. I think, it comes, <laughs> I, I think it comes down to one, understanding context. So maybe people think they're a good fit when they're not. Just like I wouldn't submit something to a site where I clearly understand that I'm not maybe capable or the type of person who would fit in well with that. I think the second thing, which is uh, what we spoke about is it's knowing what you want, which is kind of what you're saying too. So leaving things very open-ended puts a lot of work on the other person. Uh, I think I see this almost when people ask for advice and stuff like that too, where it's just really open-ended. It leaves a lot of work for the other party. So when people are very direct about what they can provide, what they want to get out of it, what are the shared goals, Mm. that seems to be best. But I think, yeah, the, the bigger piece is people having an understanding of what their personal goals are. I mean, which is very hard. I'm thinking about this right now in a very specific way with, uh, outreach for a video series we're doing in Denver next week. So I, my approach for reaching out to people is to give them full context, general context, give them examples of what we're doing. I bold the one ask I have of them. And, and then I try to answer the questions that they might have in the email. It's for it's friction removal. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so where I would, where I would start to like put hands up slightly is, you guys are pros at it, though. So sure. I'm, I'm not quite ready just to say fuck you to the five-paragraph email writer. No, yeah. Sorry, not- sorry, sorry, sorry. Hold on. I want to take a big step back and say I'm not saying fuck you. I'm saying the the person that says fuck you there is the person that is, and that's not me. I, don't, I mean, it kind of me, but it's it's the person that that's me saying that everyone you email like that is gonna is most times gonna say fuck you. If you right, want to right, accomplish right. it, you don't want that person to yell fuck you at you. <laughs> no, exactly. It was a sympathetic fuck you. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was. It really and, was and, though. And Vin, let me be very clear. I have sent a lot of five paragraph emails. <laughs> yeah, we've all we've all sent terrible echolocation <laughs> things out in right. the world, and we have them documented in our Gmails. But uh, that's yeah. the productive well, part of this conversation, though, right? Yeah, is people should learn to get to the point and. It might, especially if you're a Midwesterner, seem rude to cut to the chase and not fawn for a couple paragraphs, but really that's what you bo- what's best for you both. Right? I would also say, and this is kind of actually the opposite strategy a little bit, although I think, Grant, that's also an effective strategy I've used, is sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's nice to start like ultra small where your ask yes. is so tiny and you're not kind of including a lot. So one, one principle I feel like I try to follow is you're just trying to get to the next step. 
So whatever, what, what is the next step you're trying to get to, whether it's a phone call or whatever. And I think actually leaving a little bit vague lets them maybe imagine or think about possibilities. So I'd say the approach is also sometimes just to get to the next step. God, this is so dating. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's dating, so right? Dating. I mean, well, it's, it's, it's relationship building. It is. It is and relationship that's, that's the thing. building, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So don't go for the, you know, I guess the point is don't so, go for the clothes. So you, you owe time. it, you owe it to yourself and to them. If you true, okay. A big question to ask yourself is if you're going to reach out to someone, you want to work with someone or whatever your ask is, do I think I will do a really good job for them? That's if you say yes, then, then reach out. If you say no, then stop. But, but if you do say yes, then you owe it to both of you to play it correctly because they might not know and they might based on, let's say, uh, an absent online presence or anything else, they might not necessarily think you're a great fit right away. So you owe it to yourself to, to, to frame it in a way that gets you to the next step that allows you to build a relationship with them and then show them and just tell them that you're going to do a great job and then do it. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I mean, I would use even stronger language than you did. Wow. They are, they're under no obligation to know anything about you, even if you have a good online presence, even if it's sure. all they're out for the researching. That's, it's not their job. You're reaching out to them. Make it easy for them. They've got probably a lot going on, especially if you want to work with them. Yeah. Well, and start with how can you add value? I mean, I think that's the big thing that you know, everyone kind of jokes about now, like, let me pick your brain. Let's get coffee. Grant, I actually sent you a, a joke email. We were emailing <laughs> each other next to each other. Yeah. yeah. God, what a nightmare. <laughs> or uh, second thing that feels relevant, tweeted this today. Emails are uh, a suggestion, not a direction. Yeah. So when you receive them, you know, you're not getting a direction from somebody else who's potentially encroaching your time a little bit. Um, but, but this is, but I mean, sorry to interrupt. Sure. But this is already contrary to something that we've already mentioned, kind of. Don't leave things too open-ended because you put too much work on the recipient of the email. I think that's very true. But don't make it a directive to close off all the options of the person receiving the email. So to someone who's bad at emails, this is already, this is conflicting. So where's, I mean, where's the middle ground? Where's the balance? Well, it depends on who you're emailing, totally. And And I think the questions maybe you should ask yourself are like, how do I, like, what do I want the Base level, what do I want the person to do next? If you can't answer that, then you need Don't to restructure the email. The email. Yeah, <laughs> you need to figure it out. Like I would right, right. I would frame it slightly different. I'd say, what does this person want and how is my pitch uh, helping them achieve that? That's where I'd start is saying, who is this person? Let me think about their context. Let me think about life in their shoes and then craft the pitch that answers their problem. I think a good way to think about it a little bit, I know, is you think about people who are in PR, let's say they're writing for something like TechCrunch, their job is to produce five articles a day. It's not an easy job. So they actually have a huge problem of how do I write five articles every day? You can solve that for them by pitching them your piece, but you want to approach it from that understanding, like know their problem and then solve it for them. And I think that's a good way to start. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. It's requiring a lot of fluency on the part of the email sender. Sure. And so I guess, but that's that's what we're asking is for you to understand why you're sending an email in the it, first place. Uh, an Communicate email, intentionally. An email is, an email is so much more though. You know, it really is like, <laughs> not everything starts with email, but I feel like- It's a first impression. Yeah, it yeah. Is. But, but it's also like how you tweet, how you 
type how you type i was just thinking about how you caption i don't know it's just it's all communication and like spending some time well and actually hold on if i can make a great recommendation i don't know the exact book oh yeah actually i do this please read this book please read this book writing that works i believe it's called it was written by two ogilvy copywriters i think in the 50s 60s i'm not i'm not totally sure i could be i could be misquoting that but (laughs) reading helps your writing Writing helps your communication. Communication pretty much helps your entire life. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's not overstating it to say it like that. It That's really is. hundred percent. Communication is foundational to who we are as a organism. Yeah. And you know it's it to yourself to get good at it. Yeah. And so, so many people aren't good at it and they don't let themselves be good at it. And I hear stuff like this all the time from, especially from my more introverted friends. Yeah. Like, I hate small talk. What's the point of small talk? Small talk, and this is kind of tangential. Yeah, yeah. I but know. it's it is echolocation. Stepping stone too. You need to start very broadly. You don't walk up to someone and then ask like, "What are your, what are your greatest fears?" Because so then you come off as a pun. What happens? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You we're that, all that's looking not echolocation. To, that's just like bulldozing. Exactly. <laughs> we're looking for commonalities. That's how we exist as a social creature. And email is just the latest version thereof. And the reference is kind of what I was saying earlier of, of something in common, some artists you both might like. That's kind of building that common ground like a small talk. It is. It 100% is. And it's vital to setting the stage for successful communication. <sighs> and asking, asking so little of someone you're meeting as to let's find something in common with each other. That's like the littlest ask you can have, right? Do you know this work? Do you like this work? What are your thoughts about it? That's like the simplest thing you can ask someone, right? Yeah. Is for their opinion. And, if, and having an opinion, though, is a, a kind of a critical element of this. You don't need to like absorb all culture and like try and be super referential. But if you give a shit about something, that applies to, like, that connects with me at least. I'm like, oh, you care about this? Cool. I care about a lot of stuff too. And the fact that you care about something signals to me that like, you know, maybe we can mutually care about something, huh? If the the odds are good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Here's a weird uh, angle on this. What about like, and this definitely relates to dating. What about the the angle of neediness? What about what gets portrayed when you desperately need someone to pick you to do the thing versus approaching it as I have this thing going or this is who I am and what I do and I don't necessarily need the work but I think it could be mutual you know mutual benefit to work together and I think that's an element too I mean this is one sorry to quickly interject but I don't have a good answer because this is one of the greatest lies of art of western culture right it's the weird dichotomy between hating neediness and blessing persistence we worship the persistent and we hate the needy and they're the same goddamn motivation. So when do I ping again? When do I keep in touch? Because you can get criticized for keeping in touch too much and not keeping in touch at all. And you could you could do the same thing to two different people yeah. and get criticized for two different things. I I come back to fit finding and I have a, very, I have a pretty specific situation here, but I, I just feel like if it comes off too needy, it's, it, I mean, uh, there's a flexibility, but that flexibility grows over the context of our relationship. So I think, I think as we build relationship, you can be more vulnerable with that and like more direct with that. 
But I almost think like sometimes being too vulnerable in that way early on can be counterproductive because it signals to to me, and this is so tribal. It's so tribal, but it, it signals to me like, oh, you're, oh gosh, this is like kind of sad. This is kind of fucked. I was just like thinking like, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to bring, let's just say I'm a tribe leader. I don't want to bring in a potentially destructive force to the tribe. I mean, that's just real. Right. And, and so if you can't add value and you, if yeah, it's just like, I don't know, man, that's tough. I got, that's just like got me real sad for a second, but, but it is tough. Right. And it's, it's a, it's a balancing act. But, yeah. So should, so should you, here's a, here's a tough question. I've actually thought about some in email communication. Should you leave feedback for the person that you are saying it is not a good fit? Should you critique? Should you say, Hey, had you approached it like this, or when you're thinking in the future about approaching it like this, or is that crossing a, a, a line of you don't That's know any? You know too, what I mean? Like, right? what do you know about email that you have to? Yeah, why do are you that? the email expert? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Perhaps which, that which approach I can see. Yeah. worked perfectly fine for them. May, I mean, framing it in a, I don't think we're a good fit because this signifier is pretty safe, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you go back to dating and you say to the person, I don't think we're a good fit because you seem to be more into it earlier on than I'm comfortable being. I think that our our commitment radars are just probably different. Saying stuff like that is a critique, well, but it's but it's not presuming to be the expert. Sometimes saying nothing is communication. I really think about that a lot. It's it's like if, if, in the same way we're talking about dating, it's, it's like somebody unsolicited saying, I love you. Right. I'm not going to reply, I love you. In fact, I'm probably not going to reply at all. I think there there are sometimes, you know, where I'm like, hey, I appreciate this. It's actually really easy to be, well, really easy is an overstatement probably. But it it, to me seems easy to be at least accessible over email as someone who's reaching out passionately. If you show some chutzpah and some passion, it's really obvious. And, And I think I often would reply to something like that, at least with something. And that like opens the door somewhat. I mean, I, I yeah. It kind of makes me think about like, this is a weird example here, but you know, Airbnb not able to get investment and I'm sure they reached out to so many people and now look at it, you know? And I think that's the other hard thing too, is like we overlook the people who maybe send a bad signal early on and that's just maybe a tough part of the business. Well, and the reality of the business, of the business of all of these exchanges yeah. is that it is, it is, may not have ever been a fit for Airbnb. It may not be a fit for you as individual, for me, for the things. So I, I, but I do think, but I do think if you approach the communication, outreach, relationship stuff with the right attitude and with the right literal copy that shows passion and shows like, I mean, well, it depends it's on respect. Yeah, yeah, you can yeah, keep but, a respect. But the thing is, where that leads you, where that might lead you, because if I see someone who shows that sort of tenacity that I appreciate, and that's just me, other people appreciate different things. I want to pass them along if I can, because that's that's the biggest thing with a lot of this like echolocation and tribalism is that we want to find good fits and we also want to help. Generally, tribal people want to help because we know our tribe. So if you're trying to get connected into the tribes the tribes you know show something show something good open yourself up and make it make it easy for me to pass you along when people ask me to introduce them to people it's so hard in like make it easy for me to say yes please make it easy for me to trust that you're not gonna like make me look like a fucking loser a fucking loser is the wrong term sorry but but may it don't don't cause a don't cause friction for me and people that i already know 
and, yeah. and trust. Be trustworthy, I guess, is a lot of this too. Oh God, how do we do it? <laughs> well, I mean, we explored a lot of territory already. <gasps> but when we're talking about communicating, we're talking about the language that we select, the way that we represent ourselves. It's hard not to think back to times that are past, to the way that we used to speak about things. And this is fraught, fraught with pitfalls, etc. But in the lighter side of it, bygone language, old timey language, and and we're talking we're talking not necessarily about the number of things that we could talk about that would would be frightening and horrible, but we're talking about maybe like trend words, like the cool of yesteryear. What? When when we say radical, what did radical used to be? Mm. How did people? How do we use to communicate that we don't use anymore as communication? Quick aside, oh god, I like have physical convulsions. I was picturing that whole time, just someone's like a doctor as he's pulling a baby out, and I was just thinking when you said we choose, I was thinking of us all like choosing our language at birth, and a doctor just standing there with a with a Hogwarts sorting hat, just put, <laughs> as the crown of the baby's head emerges, just hits born the, right it into hits the it. Sorting hat. Yeah, Woo! that is uh, pretty gruesome. Are, are there any words? I feel like there are words now that I'm realizing are. So, actually, I had this conversation with someone recently. I'm trying. Uh, I was talking about. I was talking about. I think BB. <laughs> like as a like, term like baby like like the- bb i think because there's like a lot of like common terms now that that like start to join the lexicon and it's funny because there are people who are different levels with the terms and have different context and there's this funny overlap that happens with people oh uh, the 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 hyper evolution of language thanks to what else the internet got, yeah. and internet communities has been a, it's insane it's it's beautiful oh it's gorgeous i love it uh but we're talking about the the old versions there sure but i just feel like these are the new are becoming the old versions <laughs> rapidly yeah that's what i'm saying <laughs> i it's mean like, how what about let's how about a case study in fleek okay study in mm, fleek wow. a case study in mm, fleek talk about novel. a term that came and went like lightning well i think the other interesting thing is I don't even know what it means half the time, but I'm saying it. I mean, I, could, <laughs> yeah. I, don't, think I, I don't think I can define Honestly, fleek. If, if I was going to define yeah. fleek, I would say, or on fleek with the preposition, yeah. I would say it's like, it means something is lit. But define lit. <laughs> right, right. But I think I think that's even like, it's even a little more nuanced. It's like, fleek is like optimized. It's like on point, right? <sighs> killing it. Killing it. It's killing it. Another term, like a murderous <laughs> term. But that one's that one's got longevity, right? Yeah, for yeah, it's been it's been around. I mean, okay, wait. So you, if you want to go deeper into the past, give me some. Like you got it. Well, about G swell and shucks. Those are those are my first. G swell. Yeah, G swell. Like golly G. Like, like golly G. Like that's, that's swell. Aw shucks. Um, yeah, swell. I feel like is all's well or something like that. Swell, yeah, that's an all's swell well portmanteau, like yeah. brand, like brand swell or something. That's his fucking Instagram. Good plug. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> you're shameless, Sherry. Jesus, shameless Sherry. They call him. That's what they say. Um, all right. Uh, what about like? Um, here's one that's come up as a term for a place. Speakeasy. Ah. Uh, 
So I mean, yeah, Prohibition era. Prohibition era. It may it meant something very specific back then. Yeah. You know, there's like a Serving secret alcohol. word. Yeah. Yeah. You're supposed to be hush hush about it, you're not supposed to talk about it. That's why it's called speakeasy. Uh-huh. But that's a term that's been kind of appropriated yeah. in current day lexicon to mean like a cool loungy spot. Yeah, cool craft cocktail. Like, yep. Yep. It, sometimes they have weird entrances. Yes, that's kind of like a uh, signifier. Yeah. They're like underneath a restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not what the term means whatsoever. Which is, I mean, yeah, it was the specific. Was it Don't just, talk about it. Uh, the, the illegality uh, of the situation, the secret of nature. There's nothing secret about the speakeasies of today. Interesting. Contradictory language. Language, language is, folds in on itself and, <laughs> and, and just into a single point in time and creates a black hole. Uh, you're trying to capture. You're trying to capture a feeling of the past. That's what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. It does. But well, that's the interesting thing about the about the old timey terms, right? Is that we lack the context to understand them, but still use them. So and and some them. of the the memes and the sharing that happens today with new words, where you might say "fleek," you know, but you have no idea what it actually means. I was guilty of that. I'd say I was I'd just mimicking similar. its usage context. Well, and this but goes back to tribes. It. This is this is it. maybe this is maybe, and I don't know if I can bring this back yet, but this is maybe an indi- this is maybe an indicator, and the language that you use yeah. among a group more in a friendship relationship type role, but we we all adopt the language of our communities and our friends, and and that's what helps put you in the group or put you out of the group. That's actually the reason for slang. I mean, you're 100 percent right, and it's the reason for dialect, and it's the reason for word choice, and. It's the reason some people work to break their dialect because it can be almost prohibitive in yeah. the in the way that people self-select for or against you, right? I think about this the southern drawl, right? And how people who are in communications look to have a more neutral way of speaking. And it's not I don't think anyone in the world would reasonably argue that the southern drawl is a bad thing for some reason. Yeah. It's just the way people talk, just like any other way that people talk. But language signifiers of any kind cause us to select and deselect people, right? It's our natural bias. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it's, a, it's sort of a, it's a tough, it, it's just the, it's part of the game. I feel like I, maybe I'm broad with that, but. It shows you're in the know. Yeah. It's and, the new new. Yes, I knew new. But it does show like adaptability or willingness to adapt, and it shows awareness. Yeah, contextual awareness. Yeah, I guess the the complicating factor here is there's no like inherently good or bad like echolocation or anything like signal. Although there are sort of I think a set of things we could generally agree on that are good or bad but I, that is, uh, that is what well, now, it now i'm picturing like getting an email saying like it would be so lit to work together and yeah. just being like no that's five paragraphs work. of all it was, <laughs> so it would be but yeah so, i mean See, but, but i mean fuck if somebody sent us that if somebody sent us an email that said it would be so lit to work together five paragraphs lit of worth lit worth yeah uh, i would probably be like oh that's a cool indicator that you're like willing to like go there and I, and for us and for me it's like oh yeah i do want to like let's go let's 
let's get weird. I mean, we do want to make something lit also. Right? I, I just I just sent an email to a popular blog that I wanted to uh, meet the founder of who's in L.A. And I started the email by saying, I'm a digital millennial nomad. And then underneath that, I said, totally kidding about those adjectives above. But I wonder, they never responded. So I almost feel like I was using language as like a haha i'm just kidding i'm not actually that type of person but then again maybe they didn't read past that line because they never got back to me but then also on like a, <laughs> a third deeper level aren't you a digital i, I am but i was nomad? i am but i was using it ironically <laughs> but so, this so is, here's what i would say i, I understood like, the context of that was already negative is what i'm saying that right. that has You're already come and passed but yes. I, I think from my perspective like obviously i would humor it but if I appreciate more someone willing to commit to the joke. That's why I think somebody sending me an email that says it's lit 250 times. I'm like, <laughs> sweet, you're willing to go there. But they said it's lit, it's lit, it's lit, JK. Like, I would really love to collaborate. But I'd be like, eh. Okay, so honestly, you're saying that JK, I should have kept the, I, I go one way or the other, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. You, I don't I know if I could have. I don't know if I could have. I don't think I could have led with. Well, then I mean, don't. <laughs> True. I guess I mean, here's what right? I was saying. Here's, but that was my echolocation everyone, to them that that I was saying I can address. So this these is the most terms. important. This is the most important thing out of this whole fucking conversation. Yeah. Is like, well, mostly. <laughs> well, that's a big thing to say. Before you said <laughs> but but really, it, it does start with yourself. Like the signals you're putting out are once if, if you know the signals you're putting out, you know how to put the signals out. You're probably better at receiving and decoding whatever signals are coming in. So start with yourself. <laughs> well said, a hundred percent. This has been fun. I mean, it's always fun to get someone with, who we're more familiar with and more friendly with in the show because we just get to we've sling. already echolocated. Yeah, we just get to sling, <laughs> sling shit around. Yeah, I mean, oh, so the dolphin noise. That's all. Oh, that's a dolphin noise. Yeah, or bat. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I think good. I was thinking of it as a bat, but a dolphin does make. Way oh, more I picture sense. a dolphin. I'm, yeah, wow, the, Sega, the Sega game. I don't know. God, that, this is the this is the scary <laughs> part. Game. I don't know. I mean, I know we're derailing you momentarily, but this yeah. is the scary part of echolocation to me. Is that like. <laughs> Fuck, you could go... I feel like there are probably people in marriages for, like, 50 years who, like, realize, like, oh, they miscommunicated about, like, a joke or something, like, 50 years ago. And they're like, oh. And it's just, like, the recontextualization. But but I guess... You know what I mean? Like, that is the scary part is, like, how much miscommunication is happening constantly. Even oh. on this show, there has to have been 20 times, probably. We, oh, my we God. Other well, things. You can't even think about yeah. it. Otherwise, it's paralyzing, right? But I guess the, the reality is, like, identifying people who are there to, like make the mistakes with and who you'll find you know what it is it doesn't have to be it's scary. it's you know you know like you'll be able to get back on the same page with the person even if you're like wildly different books you'll be able to get back there that's like the if, safest yeah. like truest like if oh. one single miscommunication is going to sink the relationship then it wasn't going to work to begin with sink it baby David, you know a thing or two about the way we communicate on the show and the way that we wrap it up every time is to ask two questions of our guest the first one being, hey, David, how hey. can our listeners support you? Oh, man, that's a great question. I would love for people to interact with me. I'm, I'm going to go right for the send me echolocation. Don't just follow. In fact, you don't need to follow at all. But if you would like to send me an email, it's david at deathofthestockphoto.com. Send me a tweet, underscore Branswell on Twitter, or a comment on my Instagram, which is also at Branswell. So, uh, just go right for the, the communication. Don't even follow. I don't. I don't mind. Go right to step two. Go right to step two. Let's let's see. Let's see what you learned. Send a signal. See what Send a signal. Send a signal. And, I might um, not respond, but 
And also, <laughs> well, it's just inspiring. <laughs> right. Just oh, yeah. And check, check out Death out. of the Stock photo. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Death of Stock, as you're now calling it. Yeah. Uh, someone told me that. Uh, <laughs> great. And, and David, if you would like our listeners to take one thing away from your time on the show, what would you want that to be? Well, hopefully, I redeem myself from the Matilda episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would say so. Would well, say what so. was the context? You Well, you asked me. It, I actually didn't think it was yeah, okay. a big deal, uh, but apparently the reaction from, from you both. Oh, you said you were into Matilda, right? Well, the question the was. The teacher, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, the question was who was your first celebrity crush? Yeah, and, and my, you said the, the teacher from Matilda. The teacher from Matilda, which Miss I stand B. by, but the oh, reaction. She's lovely. The reaction was not that she's lovely. There was there was many minutes of laughter. It was just fucking weird, man. It was a funny one. It was just it was unexpected. Good. It was so it was innocent because it was good. She's not she's not a character who was at all sexualized in that movie. She was clearly. I feel, like, I feel like it, it gave she me a, a window. Figure it gave movie. me a window into Dave's infantilization fetishes. <laughs> See, I was going the different the different. Uh, route. She's a she's a motherly figure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I thought maybe he wanted to be infantilized. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the and who Oedipus. doesn't? Am I right? <laughs> David, right. so we uh, so besmirched your name. Yes. Again. Okay. Now that that's <laughs> okay, just gonna have to come back, guys. Hey, I don't did, know what the next episode. Hey, is. did that go as well as you were hoping, right there? <laughs> I mean, Damn. it's on you for bringing it back Damn. up. But <laughs> speaking of, like, all right, uh, what I would like people to take away is spend time thinking about the other person when you're sending that message. That's probably the simplest key to to sending better communication. Oh, wow, this is a great point because I was saying, yeah, it starts with self, but no, it starts with the other people. Yeah, it starts with understanding who you're sending the message to and why they would want to read your message. Yeah, that dude, man, that's sorry, that just gets me hyped because that's even a lot of the stuff we do with that this talk or the stuff that I feel like I try and work on is like you want to like surprise, delight people, you want to make people feel excited to get something. So, like, what would you be excited to get? Or what do you think this person would be excited to get? Why not give them that? 100%. Start with value. Start with value. Start with value, end with value. That's what we do on the show. That's our mantra. Well, we do... St- I mean, that's probably not true at all. We start with, a, like, a Meandering? Quick, uh, yeah, meandering, and then we end with a catchphrase. Speaking of which, <laughs> David, do you want to, for the second time, give us a signature 10,000 hours ship it? Ship it. I don't know. Is that what it is? Yeah, you've done it before. How can we mess Ship this it. one? 